Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to the Daily Kofefi on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by the bad mamma jamma, Carrie Smith. Hi, guys. Welcome. I tried to okay. unmute you at the same time. You were unmuting yourself. I was unmuting myself, yeah. I muted you back. Uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, go click the subscribe button and get notifications. Um, I don't know. What else do we need to tell people, Carrie? Is that it? Um, we are on every any place you can find podcasts, right? And we also have an account on Minds and Gab. So we know we're making an exodus at some on point. <laughs> Maybe shoot. sign up there. Bit shoot. Yep. So... Ah, oh, and, and on Tuesday, it's going to be the 100th episode of Unsafe Space, the Kefefi. So we're thinking we're going to do the Kefefi live if people want to tune in. Yeah. You know what yeah. time. I want to do the Kefefi live on Tuesday. I want to have like a 100th episode party. <laughs> Extravaganza. <laughs> it's not the 100th episode of Kefefi, just in case people are scratching their heads wondering if they missed <laughs> episodes. Kefefi is new, but it's the 100th, 100th Unsafe Space if you have a podcast app, you if you have your podcast thing or you're following us on on a podcast, you'll see that because the episodes are actually numbered there. They're not numbered on YouTube. Um, so anyway, uh, yay. We'll do, that. we'll do a live episode. I don't know what we'll do. Uh, should we have like, it's a morning show. So drinking during the show is kind of. Uh, uh, drinking coffee, caffeffy. You drink kefefi. Yeah. More than water. And we'll do a live show and we'll just do questions and whatever. Um, oh, I want to have a conversation in front of the audience about deprogrammed. Okay. <laughs> we can cut this out if it doesn't go well. Okay. <laughs> should we should we to doing deprogrammed? not live when we have a guest in and reserve live shows for shows where it's just the two of us because when we have a guest and it's live uh, a lot of times we're not in control of what unless the guest is like coming into a studio which we don't have we're not in control a lot of technology issues or scheduling problems or other stuff that comes up and uh, I was really glad that Maj was able to join yesterday but we weren't sure he could because he had trouble with Zoom and uh, obviously he dropped off yesterday. It was a great show, but it might have been better if we just pre-recorded it. Thoughts, Carrie, and our audience post thoughts if anyone has thoughts about it. Carrie, what are your thoughts about it? I like I kind of like doing it live because sometimes people have in the chat have great questions for the guests. But I do understand that yeah, we sometimes have problems with guests or tech issues. So um, I don't know. I don't. And I'm don't, not. And we don't mistakenly advertise like we're going to have certain. Sort of yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, right. I guess. Any, and with guests, we don't have to do it live unless we're just. I, I don't know. I don't we'll know. Think about it offline, but comment <laughs> below. Uh, I'm I'm curious to hear what, okay. how much people care that it's live. That's the thing I don't know. So. Anyway, let's talk about Friday stuff. Uh, what you got, Gary? I have little, but I have. I mean, a couple things I can chat about. What have, what have you got? Um, well, I just think it's interesting that, you know, we did this whole episode, if you guys haven't seen it, we did a whole episode of Deprogram called Woke Ads, and we did it after the Gillette toxic masculinity ad, but we actually went back for a couple of years and reviewed 
other woke ads because I noticed a few years ago that they started using social justice to sell soap or razors and, mm -hmm. and uh, advertisements suddenly seem to become not about the product at all. Like I remember during one Super Bowl a couple years ago and we showed this one, it was an ad for Procter and Gamble, but it was just about like racism and it didn't have anything to do with Procter and Gamble. And I had SJW friends online who were like, that ad made me cry. And it's like, that's, you're getting emotional about a huge corporations selling you something on the back of this ideology. It's weird. But anyway, um, so Gillette did the toxic masculinity thing and now, and then they did the fat positive thing, which is another facet of SJW stuff. Um, and then I don't know if you saw, but this swimsuit issue, Sports Illustrated, they did the Islam thing, and now they're doing the fat positive thing. Oh, Sports Illustrated did. Yeah, yeah. Sports Illustrated. I saw, she looks like a beached whale. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but what like a horrible pose that they chose for this model. Um, I mean... I'm not into the plus size thing. I don't think that should be in swimsuit issues because it's not attractive and unhealthy. But uh, I know people are going to get upset about. Don't make her look like a beached whale. Right. Oh, well, the, the way they posed her. Yeah, it was not flat. You know, she could have, could have been much more flattering pose. Um, I don't have a problem. And if anybody, I, I know we're going to make complaints. Just watch our deprogrammed episode. There's one we did called um, Fat Shit Crazy. Which is a great title. I'm sorry. It's not but, um, anything at all, Carrie. It, not I mean, anything at all. Know, but yeah, but the thing is, it, the SJW, the ideology, it's all it's all based on these different groups they put you in, and you're either oppressed or you're the oppressor, right? Like you're either the um, marginalized or the privileged, and so they come up with these continual um, spheres of identity that they can then parse into one of these two groups. And so size is now one of those. And so fat is the oppressed or the marginalized and um, not fat is the oppressor. And, and they've started using all the same language that they use for all the other identities. So there's like fat studies at college now. And um, it's, hold on one second. <clears throat> Okay, sorry. Hopefully you can edit that out. I've got a little dog issue this morning and not unusual. Uh, but anyway, it's become, it's, it's just another sphere of this belief system. And it's weird that they're using it to sell products. I just think it's weird. And then you've got Converse, what we almost talked about yesterday. Converse is now doing, um, they have, they've added trans to their LGBT line of sneakers. I didn't even know they had an LGBT line of sneakers. Um, but they've, and then they've got the 11 year old drag queen as the spokesperson. Yeah. I don't understand the need for the LGBT line of sneakers in the first place, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, Carrie, there's something weird about, uh, <clears throat> companies about how people, what people want out of companies. And I don't know if it's always been like this or if this is a new phenomenon based on people not being raised properly or having some sort of you know, childhood trauma or something that they haven't dealt with. But it seems like in the olden, day, uh, the olden days, companies are just for making money. Companies are for... Uh, turning a profit, making money, having a job, going home. Like companies aren't, they don't need to be your entire life. I think we touched on this previously, but companies, they don't need to be your raison d'etre 
They don't need to be your meaning in life. And people are wanting companies more and more to be not the company that makes the best razors, but the company that like virtue signals the best and gives them meaning in life and is, is something that they can get behind morally. Companies don't need to take moral stances. Very rarely does a company need to ever take a moral stance or a legal stance on any, unless it's directly related to their product. Uh, it's unnecessary. And it's, it's coming from the left who also hates companies. It's like they hate companies so much. They hate capitalism and profit. And so it's like they want to usurp the purpose of a company to turn it into this little family instead of companies aren't families. They're, I mean, should you have good relationships with your colleagues and treat people well in companies? Yes. But they're not a substitute for a family. They're not a substitute for a community of people with shared values, nor do they need to be. And I think what's happening is people are trying to turn these companies into these communities of shared values. And it's the social justice warrior types who care about that the most because people that are uh, more, I will say, on the right or, or libertarian or just aren't into social justice, I think they tend to have their own communities of value. Certainly people who go to church have their own community of value. And even people like me who don't, I don't get, I, I don't get moral direction and belonging from a company. But the social justice warriors, I think, really do. They're, the activism is their entire life. And, and, and like you said, you were in comedy management, not because you wanted to be in comedy, but because you wanted to push social justice agenda. And I think a lot of people, they work at Google or at Gillette or at Procter & Gamble because they want to push a social justice agenda and they want a social justice community. That's the purpose of the company for them. And you note know, to shareholders, that's not a long-term profitable purpose for a company. Uh, it's, but it's, it's getting in the way of, of uh, a company's purpose, which is just to make money. And making money is good. Making money is, is being productive and then letting people have their own lives outside of that. And I, it's weird that this is related, but I, I want to bring it up. So Chobani was in the news because I guess the state of Rhode Island uh, schooled their public schools. I guess they had people with bills that were late bills for school lunches that were overdue. And so they, I think they stopped serving them hot food or took some punitive action. I don't remember what the action was, but Chobani stepped in and said, oh, we're, you know, we're donating. We're going to forgive the debt. We're going to pay for this. Um, and, you know, Chobani has a brand of, of doing, I'll say, corporate, corporate good or, you know, corporate citizenship. They've got a, a brand of, of caring. That's part of their brand. But I've never, really, I've never really understood why people want companies to do that stuff. I don't know why... I, d I don't understand why people want companies to behave like charities or to donate money or to support causes because if the company has an excess dollar to give to the Rhode Island school district, it could easily just give it to its employees and its employees could then use it for whatever charity work they wanted. That's not virtue signaling enough, no. They well, have to give point. it to They're not doing it because they care. They're doing it because they want to virtue signal and they want to, and they want to say, this is what you need to be supporting. And it's, I, I know why they do it. There's tax reasons why, you know, you might want to 
if you if the value you get out of virtue signaling uh, offsets plus the tax write off offsets the cost, then you then you do it. I, I get the I get the financial calculation, but the virtue signal itself, people seem to really really value it, and I don't think you should value it when companies do that because it's either it, it's just an economic decision. Uh, it's it, they're just trying to buy your. Love. Well, that's why the woke ads are so stupid in the first place. Like, like that Procter and Gamble ad that made people cry. It's like they're trying to sell stuff to you. Right. It's 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 something really gross about that. And and uh, like I would just rather you say here are razors and they do a good job of being a razor. Or like the the uh, Burger King ad that we were making fun of. They don't show you a burger in the whole ad. Remember back when Burger King ads were like, here's the burger. Here's what it looks like. It's delicious. Right. Like. Just tell me about the product. (laughs) By the way, the the Burger King thing, I thought one more thing about that. They're they're going after McDonald's with the Happy Meals, but something dawned on me. I don't know why I didn't realize this before. Happy Meals are for children. They're targeted only at children. Adults don't order Happy Maybe you do. I don't know. Adults don't order Happy Meals. They're children's things. And, And Burger King is like, you don't have to be happy all the time. Here's the don't give a fuck meal. I'm like, those meals aren't for adults. But they're adult children. You know, have- that's, you know, you know. I know. <laughs> you know. Um, well, no, the thing you were saying, I just want to go back to one quick thing yeah, you were sorry, saying. No, the- they use it as, they, look, when I was an SJW, you, you get a feeling of I'm a good person out of the belief system because you don't, a lot of times, well, it's different now because SJW ideology is moving into the church, but a lot of times, especially for secular SJWs, it is your religion. So it takes that place. And, and even the ones who think they're the most atheist, some of the, sometimes those are the most religious people. And this is, their, uh, this, is their, this is their belief system. This is their God. And so, and more than that, they want to remake the whole world over and, to worship their God. They don't, it's not like, yeah, it's not like, like, uh, like extremists, but for social justice. Yeah, exactly. They want to force the whole world to adopt their religion of of identitarian SJW leftism. Yeah. Um, most atheists, we've said this before, but I just want to repeat it. Most atheists are state theists. Uh, they, they don't believe in Christian God. They believe in the state as God. And so um, I think most atheists are full of shit. And I'm an atheist. I'm saying that as an atheist. Most, most atheists are full of shit. They're state theists. They just... They transfer all of the divine characteristics of a god onto the state, and yeah. pretend that democracy is divine. But anyway, well, hey, I want to talk about something else. So yesterday, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> sure, talk about something else. <sighs> uh, what? I'm just like trying to get at the words in before these dogs start barking. No, no. <laughs> thank you. Uh, uh, well, no, yesterday I thought it was, I don't know if people saw the news, but um, I thought it was really interesting that the students in Colorado at the STEM school where the shooting happened, all, a lot of them got up and walked out during the vigil because the vigil was politicized. They brought in, it was, it was like some nonprofits like the Brady campaign and moms, some, one of the moms gun violence thing, gun violence organizations. And they brought in two Democrats um, two politicians to speak, and they were trying to turn this vigil for their classmate who died into 
a political anti-gun thing. And so the students were like, no, they started chanting, this isn't about us or, you know, and, and this isn't, I think some of them were chanting mental health and they left the gymnasium and they had their own vigil outside. And I just thought that was amazing. Yeah. Good for the students. Um, yeah. I mean, I know the area of Colorado where that school shooting was and I mean, not, not well, but I imagine that a lot of those high school kids shoot. It's not a, yeah, not a, uh, it's not an SJW haven. And yeah, you lose, you lose a friend, you lose a classmate. The last thing you want is some politician lecturing you about their politics as the solution. Um, so like make it about people always say um, on the left, you know, screw your thoughts and prayers and, or a lot of people on the left say this and give people time. You know, maybe not the whole country needs that time to grieve, but the community around that person does, the people who knew him do. And if it's a vigil specifically for him, it's just not the time or place to make this about. The vigil was, was actually a sham from the beginning. It was set up by the Brady campaign and uh, what was the mom's, I don't know, moms being imbeciles, some other version of moms being imbeciles. There's like a bunch of moms groups who would do stupid things. Let's, Let's be nicer. Moms being gullible. Moms with too much free time. And being manipulated to fight against our Second Amendment rights. Yeah. Moms who care being manipulated. That's what we should <laughs> Don't call them imbeciles. No, I'm, I'm going to call them uh, stupid, busybody moms. Hey! <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, but they, they organized, they were like, oh, we're going to have a vigil. And they're like, okay, great. We'll have a vigil for our, our classmate. And what they meant by vigil was, uh, we're going to lecture you about gun control. And, and this dude, I mean, awesome. Great job, students. Good for leaving. Uh, that, was, that was great. So. That makes me think, I mean, you might be right that it's just that area of Colorado, but it does make me think some of those statistics I've read about Generation Z, like the younger kids who are coming after the millennials being more uh, anti-PC, like kind of kind of overthrowing this SJW stuff, hopefully. Right. Well, you know, there's an advantage with them growing up with the internet. You can look things up and you can see counter arguments. And so, yes, sometimes you can go down a rabbit hole or rat hole, whatever. You can go down a hole on YouTube and that's you know a hole related to some small rodent and you can find weird conspiracy theories about stuff and people saying crazy things nice you want to say something so the mic switches or camera switches so that you can see the dog carry no ah you're muted anyway so you can uh you can go down a hole like that and and end up in some weird conspiracy theory universe sure but you can also check facts you know you also get opposing views that aren't conspiracy theories that aren't wrong that just challenge the mainstream narrative and the narrative of the establishment you know everyone knows when you're in high school the establishment is not exactly your friend you're not aspiring to be uh a nice little cog in the wheel that's not your or cog in the machine that's not your that's not your goal so of course they're going to look for alternative viewpoints and if the entire mainstream country is run by a bunch of social justice people who are you know running around spouting a bunch of emotional irrationality and trying to foist authoritarianism on you you know yeah you might find alex jones and start questioning 9-11 or something that's a little bit 
conspiratorial and not constructive, but you'll also figure out that social justice warriors are racists and that the Democrats are just going to exploit your friend's vigil to push their authoritarian gun banning agendas. So I think it's great. I think it's great. Yeah. But this is why this goes back to tie back to the censorship stuff we were talking about um, earlier this week. This is, this is why they're banning popular YouTubers. They don't want the young generation going down these rabbit holes and learning things for themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, of uh, controversial banned people, can I, I want to show, so this is a, oops, that's just me because I didn't switch the camera. This is an uh, article by a friend of mine, uh, John De La Rose. I think I've actually had him on deprogrammed, not deprogrammed, on Safe Space before. Uh, he's a graphic art, or he's a novelist and and does some graphic art, uh, graphic art novel, graphic art and novelist. Um, anyway, Milo's, he, he says, Milo's uh, the new Pokemon movie. He claims this villain is supposed to be Milo. This is the villain from the Pokemon movie. Uh, this is Milo. And he has a short little article asking, why is Milo a villain in the Pokemon movie? I don't have any comments about it. I also want to know why Milo is a villain in the Pokemon movie, but it's he's this kind of person who is engaging and funny and yes, says inappropriate things sometimes, but uh, the younger but, audience likes Milo because he's, he's, uh, he's irreverent. irreverent. And they're full of crap about him. He's not a racist or a white nationalist or the people who say that have never actually... You would be doing a very bad job of being a white nationalist if that's. Yeah, his husband's is black. He he doesn't. Um, if, uh, my point: nobody's ever watched his lectures if they believe that. They actually don't know what he said, and they purposefully conflate his jokes with stuff he said that's serious. And it, and it's not that hard to tell the difference. Like with some people, Owen Benjamin, it's sometimes hard. <laughs> um, but with Milo, you can tell when he's being funny, even if you find that humor mean. Um, when did mean humor become off limits? That's the other thing, you know, I grow a thicker skin. I don't enjoy mean humor most of the time, but, uh, but it does, it like sticks and stones. Like three-year-olds know this, right. five-year-olds know this, but adults somehow are now like, oh, we can't hear him making fun of someone. Yeah, you can. <laughs> the unfortunate thing with Milo is uh, I think it, he lost some of his, uh, some of his base because of because he had a lot of he he was controversial and obviously the mainstream didn't like him but he had a lot of support from uh other people who were you know part of part of his base people who are maybe more um probably a lot of conservatives and also just free speech advocates liked milo but i think he lost some of his base when he talked about his uh his so he was he was molested. It sounds like as a, I'm not, I'm not sure, but it sounds like he was molested when he was young and he talked about uh, young men in the, in the, the gay community and underage men being involved. And he, he, the words he used were understandable given that he probably has not processed his own trauma, but they, they just bothered some people because they felt like he was condoning pedophilia, which he was not. He was no, not. and in fact, he's actually exposed three pedophiles online. Like he's, 
he was molested and that's why he has a special disdain for pedophiles. Um, they also conflated, he was making a joke about molestation by a Catholic priest who he, because he was molested by a priest. Right. right. Um, but they also conflated a different statement he made about uh, his first boyfriend when I think he was like 16 or 17, but whatever age he was at, it was at the age of consent in the UK. It wasn't, uh, it was, and they conflated those two things as if he was talking about the same thing. Uh, right when he was a child and when he was a teenager and it just, anyway, I, I've looked through all of that. And I've also, um, I look at what hypocrites they are because George Takei, who everyone loves on the left and, yep. and, and, you know, I, I really like some of the stuff he posts. I used to really like him a lot. <laughs> um, but he's made similar jokes. He had TDS. You can actually pull out oh, Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah, I stopped following him a while back, but he used to be really funny. But you can pull up actual audio recordings of jokes he did, I think on the Howard Stern show and some other places where he's made the same jokes right. about himself and about, um, about younger men in the gay community. And, but the left doesn't care about it when the joke comes from him. See, they just try and find something that they can then make you radioactive with. And... Right. Milo made it easy for them. Some people make it easy for them. And I'm like, why do you make it? Why do you make it so easy? <laughs> like, but and I get I, it. I think what happened was a lot of a lot of people on the right were um, disturbed by like it worked. The, the trick of recharacterizing what he said and implying that he was cool with pedophilia worked on a bunch of people that were part of his base. And so they kind of abandoned him a little bit. And so he lost some of his support there. And it's unfortunate that it worked because I agree, he wasn't condoning uh, pedophilia. And frankly, anyone who's suffered something like that, when they're talking about that, you've got to give them some leeway to be working through some stuff and misusing words because they're talking about their own personal trauma. And um, to be darkly funny. You yeah. know, people make yeah. dark humor about th about trauma, about things they've been through. Like that is just, I mean, I used to manage comedians. Some of the most wickedly funny jokes some of them told were about their own rape or, you know, like the, th that's how you process things. What is that quote about a uh, tragedy and comedy? Anyway, but there's a quote about tragedy. And there's comedy. a lot of, con there's a lot of quotes. Oh wait, I'm thinking of one that actually doesn't apply. Okay. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Did I yeah okay what? i think are you thinking of comedy as tragedy plus time because that's the only one i know which... yes comedy is tragedy plus time i guess and that's we... and that's because it becomes funny over time and or it should it should be if you get past the trauma of it it should be something that doesn't that doesn't affect you the same way it did when it happened i don't know well, i mean i think humor can be used to to heal it can also be used to evade your healing process so um i'm not always sure that healing is healthy or sorry that humor is healthy healing that's is true uh sometimes humor is used to evade uh harsh realities but anyway that's not the i don't want to end on that I no can we can we pause it for a second though and you cut this part out yes okay you say, say cut do this cut all right okay i'm back <laughs> I'm back. I took care of the doggy dog emergency. The yeah. Dog emergency. Excellent. The dog, uh, um, um, well, the, was there anything else in the news you want to talk about? Cause I feel like we went off on a bunch of tangents today. We did go off on tangents, but it's a Friday, whatever. I don't want to make the show too long. I just, I don't want to end on a, a sad note, mm -hmm. but I, I do want to do, I know you hate talking about AOC and I don't want to give her time, but 
we never addressed the garbage disposal video, and I just want to show it to people who haven't seen it because it's a fun way to end the Friday show, and and we'll be back. We'll be back on Monday. But really, if you haven't seen your representative from New York deal with the complex technology, now this is the woman who wants to tell you how to live your life. She has a Green New Deal proposal. She is going to tell big companies how to how to run themselves, what to do. She's going to vote for regulations and new laws. And she's she's your better. She is your representative. So can we just play? This is can I say with a caveat about this? Yeah. I feel guilty make, like about this because it's funny, yes. But no, just hear me out. I'm a Luddite. There are things that I've never used before that I'm like kind of weirded out by or, and there are things that like the house I live in now doesn't have a garbage disposal. If I, you know, I, there, so all I'm saying with the caveat of this is funny, but it's not like, it doesn't mean that no. she's stupid. No, it does mean she's stupid. Cause I had no. this with my daughter. You did? Uh, yeah. And it's not that she's never seen a garbage disposal before. Cause we had this like, Oh, you may have never seen one. Right. But it's 2019 to have not heard of one or know what one is, and then to think making a video where you're terrified of it is a good idea makes you an imbecile. That's what makes her an imbecile. She made this video and is having a drama moment over a fucking garbage disposal. I you don't have ever seen one, <laughs> but. Is it not in jest though? Is it not kind of funny? Okay, go ahead, hit, hit play. If you think we'll play the video, and if you think this that she is doing is for comic relief, then you can uh, let us know. And hey, that's a good one. Let us know in the comments. I think she's being funny. Let, if you think she's being dumb, let us. Know. <laughs> it's so hard to tell with her, but here's here's the video. Okay, everyone, I need your help because. I just moved into this apartment a few months ago and I flipped the switch and it made that noise and it scared the daylights out of me. I am told this is a garbage disposal. I've never seen a garbage disposal. I never had one in any place I've ever lived. It is terrifying. I don't know what to use it for or what its purpose is. Like food scraps? Like is this environmentally sound? I don't know. So, you know what else I think? What? Okay, we've compared her to Trump before in terms of how good she is with social media yeah. and trolling for a person on the left. She's pretty good at trolling. I think she's trolling here. I think she's trying to get people to pile on her about something so silly. And maybe, I think this is a version of trolling. Maybe we are playing right into. Yeah. It could be. <laughs> it could be. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the buffoonery example or uh, explanation. I'm going to go with the buffoonery. I'm going to go with the buffoonery. Explanation. But see, the left goes with the, the buffoonery explanation for stuff that Trump does, but they yeah, play but, right into know, his hands. Sure, but Trump is 70 years old, ran a bunch of companies, uh, had successful television shows. There's evidence to point to Trump at least being functional. 
AOC was a bartender. Oh, uh, bartending isn't which, an admirable, fine job, but it's not an IQ test. I don't know if that has anything to do with your ability to troll, though. Like, no, she may be trolling. She may be trolling, but we know she's dumb. I don't know about that. She comes oh. off as pretty dumb, but this this seems pretty smart to me. That's all. Have you seen the Green New Deal? Have you read the Green New Deal? <laughs> I know. You can't I know. Be as economically illiterate as AOC is, and either be you're she's either brilliant and knows exactly what to say and doesn't believe any of it, or she's an idiot, right? And because we know she was actually cast for this role and is supported by another organization, I think we can assume that she's more of a sock puppet and less of a, a mastermind genius trying to rally the Bernie people. Well, people can weigh in and tell us what they think. Yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think it's funny. I think it's it funny. is funny. No, okay, on this we agree, it's funny. It's funny. It, it is funny. Okay. All right, well, have a great weekend, everyone. Um, please don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube and uh, we will see you next week on Monday. And Carrie, it's Tuesday. Tuesday is a, we're going to do, we'll, we'll publish the time and stuff, but we're going to do the Kofefi live on Tuesday in celebration of our hundredth episode. Is that right? Woohoo. Yeah. We'll do it live and we'll let you guys know when. Awesome. Have a good weekend. Bye guys.